Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Mark. Two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you, so why not write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. And now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. Joe, how does it feel going back and looking at properties that are at least 25 years old? It is basically straddling a fine line between nostalgia and very, very aware of my being very aware of my mortality. And that's that's where we like to thrive (laughs) is you don't like you're happy about it. And then you realize, oh, man, that was 20 years ago. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh, but then we hit you with more nostalgia, so it's fine. It is kind of a vein that we've tapped into specifically this season because, mm-hmm. you know, in season one of the show, we actually did mix in like some current things or current dish things. And then we yeah. kind of settled into that like little, hey, this stuff is older than, you know, five minutes ago. Yes. You know, like we're mm-hmm. we're reliving our lives in a way. But this this mm-hmm. season, we really, really banked hard into that. So we really did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so now we're back. Yeah, and we're going to lean even further into that because this is definitely where we're going to go into a very, very solid piece of my childhood. And (laughs) it uh, basically, I think this is... uh, trying to remember, like, when this show aired. If it was specifically a Saturday morning thing or if this was a after-school scenario because... We are today looking at the original Pokemon anime, season one of the Indigo League. Or I guess that not of the Indigo League. Indigo League is season one. Yeah. Because then we get into the weird Orange Island League thing after that. But we're <laughs> not going right. to touch on that today. <laughs> that, was, that was the specific like island chain that was made that had nothing to do with the games, right? Like nope. that was just... Nope, nowhere. <laughs> Gotcha. That yep. was like a, an original joint. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you know what? For the Indigo League, I did not watch this in real time or as it came out. I had nothing to do mm-hmm. with Pokemon in this era of my life. So for the majority of this, I saw maybe a stray episode here and there. You know, there was no no consistent following for me at this stage in life. Mm-hmm. I had to discover it later, Joe, as a lot of people did with Pokemon Go. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I started consuming the majority of my Pokemon related things was right yeah, around that time. Yeah, that's fair. Like I think I know like the the handheld stuff did not definitely grip everyone. Um it's it's very simplistic RPG um style is fun in itself, but then the the story from game to game is pretty repetitive. You have like the same basically the same setup as you go from game to game, you're gonna be in your region, there are eight more badges, there's an elite four you get a tr- you get a rival that you get to name. If you don't name him something like Dick Bag, you're doing it wrong <laughs> yeah. because or they never check that. 
My dude, my, my dude is like it's become the consistent now. That's what I name all of my characters in current playthroughs because there's yes. nothing more chill than someone calling Link my dude in the Legend of Zelda. Oh yeah, as you progress through things, ah, my dude, you've arrived. Yes, yeah. yes, I have. So, and now we get to the point of a franchise where the the video game is successful enough. I believe it also has a successful manga at this point. So the next mm-hmm. natural step is anime. And you've got to make this thing into a cartoon and get something else for the young minds to consume. So we have the birth of the Indigo League season. Yeah, which a lot of people didn't even realize. The original, like the, the Japan-only version of this show, it came out in 97. So it was before the West had really adopted Pokemon as this, mm-hmm. you know, culture breaking IP that, you know, kids are going nuts about and everyone wanted to associate with Satan. If you're one of the parents that freaked out, it's like, yeah. how did, how was Pokemon satanic outside of the, think, in, in the video games? I think if you don't understand it and you are a middle-aged, uh, God fearing brother of Christ, you just assume that it's satanic because you don't get it and i I think that's where it mostly comes from because like to my knowledge like there's no like like witchcraft there's no worshiping of any sort yeah they're Mm -hmm. they're monsters technically but like they're usually adorable so i don't get it i have no idea how this became satanic yeah well i i feel like the fact that it was not successful yet like like widespread Mm -hmm is the reason why I think this show, at least in this season, was as successful as it was. And we'll get into some of the reasons as to why. Mm -hmm. But this isn't just us saying this. There's actually quite a few folks out there that say that this is regarded as one of the best seasons of Pokemon as an anime or whatever, cartoon, whatever you want to call it. And even on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which we've referenced a few times this season, there's no way for critics to really go at this one since it's not like a movie or anything. Yeah. But the fans agree that 84% of them thought that this was a, mm-hmm. you know, certified yeah. fresh property. So yes. and I'm that's trust saying them. something because this yeah. is a pretty successful like anime in general. There are what like over 1,200 episodes at this point. Uh, yeah. With God knows how many, I don't know how many movies they've had either. Like I feel like there's at least a movie or two a season these days, uh, and it's typically surrounds. Um, a legendary Pokemon for the region that the anime is currently in. Uh, I don't. I, I honestly haven't seen movies past Pokemon 2000. Um, but one thing I will happily show you that relates to the Indigo League is this bad boy that I still have. So if you are, if you're listening to this and not watching the uh, the YouTube program, I'm holding up a original copy of the Pokemon To Be a Master soundtrack. Oh my god. And the CD is still in there, and you can see they did the yes. right thing by making it look like a Pokeball. Yes, that is yep. that is fantastic. Yep, this is, this <laughs> is pretty great. Oh, Which Christ. does include uh, the two songs that appear in basically every episode. Well, one that appears in every episode, and the other is basically culminated or put together by watching several episodes so you get the pokemon theme song which i i'm just gonna put out there that's the theme of our generation mark even if you didn't weren't there to really listen to it while it was new you can listen to it now i'm like fuck 
fuck, this is good. The only thing it needs is DMX, and <laughs> YouTube has the solution to that. Uh, yeah. So, I, I was going to say, there, there is no way that I would talk about this season of Pokemon <laughs> without specifically mentioning the theme song, because you and I have talked about this before, how... You know, with with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, they had mm-hmm. that intro theme that oh just you know, like kids would listen to this and go, "Holy shit, what is happening right now?" How and, how do they make a song that just rises the whole way and never slows down? Yes, they did. <laughs> they did. And honestly, same thing goes for the the Pokemon you know main theme song for the, for this show. Like like it is absolutely insane. The first time I heard it when I was a kid, yeah, it was great. But like I mentioned to you, I didn't really. Watch this show uh, religiously or anything, and then when I was an adult and I heard the song again after it being dormant for like maybe fifteen years from my memory, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, like what what, what, what was I doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this song's amazing. Yeah, it's like I have yeah. to get out and run or something. Like I I can't just sit here. Like it's definitely I feel like especially like when it comes to cartoons here in the West. Like, the art of the theme song, I feel like it's dead. <laughs> like, yeah. you just kind of want to quickly get into whatever it is you're watching. So it'll be, like, honestly, something that's, like, 15 seconds, so a quick bit of action, title flashes, and boom, you're into the cartoon. Which, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's robbing us because, one, like, the episodes aren't going to be any longer. It's just more time for commercials. So there's that. Yeah. But on top of that, that doesn't get you excited for the show like this used to, because when you got that initial like little drum like beat that like yes. rose as it went on, <laughs> oh, yes. like you just I want to be the very best. It just like yeah, I am ready to fucking watch Pokemon now, like unbelievably ready to watch Pokemon. So when you yes. had the show starting off like this. It almost didn't matter what happened in the rest of the episode because you were hooked <laughs> and you were sold. Even if the episode was terrible, which, I mean, in a 82-episode season, like, you're going to have some misses here and there. And oh, yeah. you still watched the whole way through because the theme song got you excited to watch it regardless. Dude, hey, like I said to you before, I re-watched this whole thing because of Pokemon Go. Like, I went back and started mm-hmm. watching it all again, and I did never once skip the intro. Do <laughs> this cartoon, and uh, so Jason Page, who actually sung the main theme when Pokemon Go uh, came out, and everybody was going nuts, uh, he actually came back and re redid the song. Like he re recorded it oh. as an older man, and all of a sudden people are seeing this again, and and they're like doing the duet stuff with it on you know on, on social media, mm-hmm. and people are like crying and. There's uh there's even like a a big gathering of players who are sitting there and just like singing it the duet with him. So I mean this song is definitely a table setter and mm-hmm. yeah dude it like it like shook the fuck out of me the first time I, <laughs> the first time I heard it. It's like oh my god like mm-hmm. did they know what they were doing at this point? I have to I, think they did. I think they did because like especially when you look at um taking it from the initial, like the original Japanese to like the United States, because a lot of, from my understanding, and I might be getting a little bit of this wrong, but a good chunk of that theme song is really in in the original Japanese. Like what you're seeing is what they're singing about in the original Japanese version of the opening theme song. So Hmm. like you're getting, especially that there's, um, 
like the kind of like towards the end of the song, you've got Pikachu like running towards the camera. And he like goes past the three main evolution starters. He goes like through the legs of some unnamed female trainer and then eventually jumps onto Ash. During yeah. that time, like the original, like in the original theme song in Japan, they're singing about Pikachu doing that, like going from spot to spot and originally then getting to the trainer. So hmm. when it got to like the United States, like, well, they're not going to, I don't think the kids are going to enjoy just us singing about what we're seeing on the screen. We've got to, got to tweak that just a little bit for the localization. And this is one of those times where that was the absolute right decision. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say that. So basically Drax is singing the intro to the, to the, the, the show. If they're singing yes. everything literally. <laughs> to my understanding, and I mean, I don't think the whole thing's literally because, I mean, it's, I think a lot of it's classical, like, not classical, but, like, very traditional, like, Japanese, like, themes throughout throughout a song. So there's lots of, like, love, happiness, and looking towards the future, um, like, themes in, like, a lot of things. Or, you know, it could be, like, completely about depression, but it's really upbeat, so the, the Western yeah. audience has no idea what's going on. But that wasn't the case in the Pokemon theme song. But yeah, a good chunk of it was them just singing about what's going on the screen. I was going to say, how sad must that have been? It's like, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> Lapras with someone on its back, Pikachu on a pidget, riding oh into the sky. Gosh. Which, small, small interlude from a meme I recently saw on the internet was um, there was some young player who read the original uh, Pokedex description for Lapras and it mm. talked about how, due to hunting, they were brought to the brink of extinction, and there were a few of them left. And he found this out, and eventually, when you could actually breed Pokemon in Generation 2, he would just start breeding Lapras and releasing it, because in his little mind, it was repopulating Lapras into the wild. <laughs> and then it's much, much later on. Um, Lap like, uh, I, I don't remember what generation. It's, it's probably after 5. Uh, uh, the Lapras up, uh, Pokedex updates to how they rebounded due to conservation efforts. So That's I can great. think of it as like it was that it was that kid. It was it was him or her. I don't know who it was, but yeah, you go, kid. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I, I, since we love segues, that's a really good thing to kind of cut into here. Is talking about the kid at the center of this show, mm -hmm. who would be Mr. Ash Ketchum, and. I've always kind of wondered about Ash Ketchum. The, the, the big thing is, I've always wondered how people actually liked Ash Ketchum <laughs> growing up and, and as an adult. Because he, he's an interesting character. Now, part of this I will give some credit to because, as we've mentioned on some other anime before, when there is a localization effort and things get mm -hmm. you know translated, some of the characters get lost, some of the dialogue gets lost. And so, initially... Ash Ketchum was actually confident in the original dub or whatever you want to call it. And that's kind of what fueled him. It, it was like, yeah, I'm confident about this. You know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm courageous enough to jump into this as opposed to the English dub that made him more arrogant and like so self-sure of himself for a 10 year old. Yeah, as I say, he's, he's still confident. He's stupid, but he is confident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's like hey let me take the first you know seven pokemon out of the decks here and let me go and fight every legendary i can get in front of i mean he he seriously just tried to do everything he could man he used the entire cow when it came to those those early stage oh, yeah. pokemon 
Oh yeah, I mean that. I mean that he consistent. I mean the grand like the fact that he even if you look at the fact that he's had Pikachu since forever, uh, and he's gone through so many regions, you'd assume that that P- Pikachu has to be maxed out. Like we'll assume that is a level one hundred Pikachu. As far yeah. as things are concerned in the video game, that's still pretty worthless. They have like absolute shit for defense. They don't have much for attack. Special attack is okay. Special defense probably worse than the other defense. Like, they're not great. And here he is, like, just fucking throwing it like Ho-Oh, which even, okay, Ho-Oh is a flying Pokemon. <laughs> you would think, okay, you know what, there's at least some weakness there. Ho-Oh doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. No. Yeah, I'm weak to electricity, but you're still a Pikachu. And Ash yeah. is like, nope, go get it. It's basically a god. Go, just go. Go take care of it, <laughs> Pikachu. Um, and he, this is, I mean, it's it just it goes to looking at season one and again re-looking at like how much I did not like Ash Ketchum growing up because yeah. like in the video game like you get red um, or in the manga you get red unless you do like the electric tail of Pikachu then that is actually Ash and red is an actual successful trainer <laughs> in that he knows what the hell he's doing and yeah. Ash doesn't really do that well but at the same time I do get like from an anime standpoint how that works well because then you can have ash learn with the audience so he's not yeah, yes. at all um he learns with you instead of teaching you how necessarily so there is that but still like me like having like played the video game obviously first before watching um like the anime uh i just like you know what he's not good at his job ash is not a great trainer and you can even kind of get some evidence to that with not only like how he battles and the moves he chooses but the fact that like his best pokemon doesn't like him until like season three of the show <laughs> so <laughs> well i mean there there's some trust building along the way i mean they they yes. do like mm-hmm. each other you know quite a bit more but mm-hmm. ultimately what what kind of kicks this thing off is that ash is a he's a newly minted 10 year old and he's ready. He's ready to evolve into, it's essentially cockfighting uh, with very colorful looking monsters. <laughs> and so his mother kicks him out and goes, yep, go out there and get yourself your starter Pokemon and let's get this legacy building. And so when you mentioned rivals in the game, it, so in, in the game, isn't it like red and blue and like you guys are kind of talking shit, like mad shit on each other the entire time? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so that takes form in Gary Oak, who is the grandson no, no, of no, Professor no, no, Oak, no, no. right? I, you mispronounced his name. Oh. His name is Gary fucking Oak. <laughs> That's how you pronounce his name, because he, honestly, a highlight character of this first season. Oh, he's such a dick in every possible way. Yeah, like, like no matter what, mm-hmm. po- like, no matter what Ash does, Gary is always ahead of him in, like, yeah. in every single thing and it is hilarious ahead of him with a gang of like groupies like as well that are just following him everywhere like dressed as cheerleaders or doing whatever it is that they need to to support gary oak and his um his drive to win yeah they're like holding up the you know the championship belts as he's as he's walking around i mean it it is funny though because it's not explained like it's never explained how this dude you know, just happens to have like thousands of people following him everywhere he goes, and it's like, what does he have time for? But yes, it is. It is one of those things that I just I always laughed at when I was a yep. kid, and as an adult, it's like this is to the point of like eighties level, 
you know, rivalry madness. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so yeah, Gary Oak was was the perfect asshole, I think. Yep. And and it's interesting that they they chose to I mean, again, like I maybe I can't speak for certainty on like the original like Japanese script, but the way they portray Gary Oak in the dub is very much like you said, just an asshole. Like he is <laughs> he's the kid that everyone hates on the playground. But also doesn't understand why girls like him. Like, like that's kind of where Gary Oak exists as a character. And yeah. typically, like in the Pokemon games, like your rival will have a bit of jarring back and forth. Like, oh, smell you later. I'm gonna, I'm ahead of you, like always. But at yeah. the same time, like sometimes they'll give you items to get you going, or they will also say, hey, you're getting pretty strong. That's awesome, dude. Keep it up. I'm still gonna be better than you. And then they'll take off. Like it's it's clearly like within like the limited small amount of text space they can give you, they imply that while this person is trying to beat you, they are still at their core your friend and trying yeah. to just kind of like push you to be better by them being better themselves. Do you get yeah. that feeling from Gary Oak at all in the show? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, the way I look at it, you know, when you have very close friends who make fun of you and talk mad shit on you, you know it's because <laughs> of of the relationship and not because of an actual personal belief. Whereas Gary Oak talks to you that way with none of the friendship and and, and just the sass and just the <laughs> just the line stepping. I yeah. mean, he, he he's he's awful. He is absolutely yeah, he, awful. He. God, he's he, a habitual line stepper. If there ever existed well, to be such a thing, he he reminds me of every like colonel or general's kid that I met when I was moving around in the army. And you're like, mm-hmm. who the fuck are you? It's like what you overheard your dad <laughs> talking long distance to some dude about operations, and suddenly you fucking think you can go lead a, an, you know, a, <laughs> lead the military. It's like mm-hmm. fuck, who the fuck are you? Yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gary Oak is absolutely that that. In yep. the, in the, and then here's the thing. You know, Ash is like all, he's all ready to go. He's got his backpack, you know, he's walking down there to get his, his starter Pokemon. And, and Gary's like, Ooh, they ran out. There's no more Pokemon. And you're just <laughs> like, fuck you, man. Oh, which I, I, maybe I'm remembering wrong. Didn't, didn't Ash actually like wake up late in the first uh, episode, in that episode? Cause he yeah. was ready the night before, but something happens and he wakes up late because I'm pretty sure doesn't he rush over there in his pajamas? It, yeah, I think that actually does yeah. sound right. I mean, e- either way, I just know he doesn't get yeah. there in time. No, which, he does not. Which, here's the thing, like, okay, so there's mm-hmm. obviously the three starters. You got your Bulbasaur, yes. your, Ch- your Charmander, and your Squirtle. One like, is the right uh, choice all the time, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, out of all the new kids that are mm-hmm. 10 years old on that day, what happens if you just happen to miss one of those three? You know, like, are you just constantly fucked over if you... You know, I mean, what happens? I'm guessing you just have to wait till next year, which <laughs> also, which is kind of weird because, like, in this, uh, like, I mean, one thing that's always baffled me in Pokemon is the starter Pokemon themselves because yeah. they're supposedly given out to every child, like, in or like most children in that, in like the given region that you're in. So you would think, okay, well, if they're given out to most of the children, these, like, they have to be somewhat common. Yeah, right. But they never are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> They're like the only ones you can find in the game and you have to trade for the other starters to get them. Yeah. So I, I guess that does mean that like, hey, yeah, you have to wait till next year and we can finally find like one more of each of these fuckers somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's that's just what happens to most kids. Or in Ash's case, there is a fourth option. There yes, is a curtain there four. Is. Mm-hmm. However, 
Curtain four is an asshole. <laughs> you know, I, I would think. Uh, I mean, sassy is like the best sassy way to describe. Sassy is probably a better way to do it. Yeah. 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 Pikachu is basically like a, a cat in a live segment on the news. You know, you just can't expect him to ever do what you want him to do. And it is a, a, a wonderful uh, way to start off this whole thing because he immediately electrocutes Ash before they even leave the building. You know, that's, and uh, as an adult, I absolutely appreciate it. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm about to have kids and I've worked with a lot of cats and this is what that feels like. Yes. You know, <laughs> never knowing what's going to happen next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and honestly, uh, Pikachu as a starter. I, I what I thought was really funny about this was in Pokemon Go, they did the same thing. You know, you have your three starters that you can potentially work with, but if you actually like walk away from the starters when you're supposed to select them, if you walk far enough away, you can actually pick Pikachu yeah. as your your starter, right? Mm -hmm. And and before that point, I mean, that wasn't. You couldn't do that in the actual games, right? I don't think you could actually no. trigger that. Only no, the only time that you get something like that is you get um after the success of the anime, they basically re-released the original game as Pokemon Yellow. And this time, just like Ash, your character wakes up too late, the three starter Pokemon have already been picked, but Pikachu is there. So and this is also the first time where you get to have like a Pokemon walking around outside of its Pokeball following you around. So that was really cool that you got, you could have Pikachu walking around with you. And then very similar um, to like the anime, you do eventually obtain the three starters. So that's also pretty nice that you can actually have all three with you as opposed to having to trade for them. So yeah, that was the kind of the only case where you get the fourth option, even though technically it's, not optional you have to take the fourth option <laughs> because yeah because they're all gone so looking at where we are now in the series look establishing the main characters for who we basically follow for season one uh, we've got our, our basically our main dude ash and pikachu and then we've established the rival and gary fucking oak um ash's mom is there but she she's like in and out of the show like every like 10 episodes like ash calls home uh, so it's, it's kind of there. Uh, but Professor Oak, who, like we said before, is the grandfather to Gary Oak and is the regional like expert on Pokemon, hanging out, possibly could, could you... sleeping with your mother. I was um... going to say, I was going to say, yes, yes. <laughs> like, because <laughs> when you mentioned that he calls <laughs> Professor Oak and then it's like, yeah, I need to call my mom, you know, after you, like, you, you call Professor Oak and he's like, oh, well, I just happen to be with your mom. And you're like, Excuse me? Excuse me? Would you? Like, this is like I'm calling from a computer that's only in my mom's house. <laughs> How did you just. And it's in her bedroom. My God, man. Yeah. It's like you are filthy, <laughs> Professor yeah. Oak. You are mm -hmm. filthy. I, I, you know, when, when people started talking about this, it wasn't initially either because no one was talking no. about. Yeah, whether or not Professor Oak was clapping cheeks with Ash Ketchum's mm -hmm. mom, but years later we all kind of went, "This huh. this is highly suspicious that Very. he's al he's always with her." He's oh, single. My my dad is always out of the picture, which is a weird theme in Pokemon games as well. Yeah, um, mo now, pretty much like all the time, the dad's never there. Yeah, Professor so, Oak is is single and ready to wingle. Yeah, 
<laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> oh my god. Yep, I think I might have to add that to whatever dating app I'm using. Wingle, <laughs> and whoever whoever actually gets it. Yeah. I'm not yeah, going to well, say wife, but at least short-term girlfriend. So, <laughs> Well, hey, before we get too far away from starters, though, yeah. one thing I wanted to mention about uh, trivia from behind the scenes of this is that yeah. they did flirt with giving Ash a Clefairy mm-hmm. instead of Pikachu. And this is one of those things now that we kind of go, this is really a thought process. They were concerned because they thought Clefairy mm-hmm. would be too girly. And I'm like, have you ever been hit with Moonblast before? There is nothing, quote unquote, girly about getting hit by that no. move. Uh uh-uh, uh, no, Moonblast ain't fucking around. <laughs> no, but either way, like that was mm-hmm. that was one of those things I always thought was kind of interesting yeah. because we don't really tend to see like mm-hmm. the fairy class stuff get featured a whole lot, like predominantly, like in in this series, no. and. Yeah. And I mean, back then there wasn't even a fairy type. Clefairy was normal at the time. That's true. Uh, being the thing. And I thought I even found, I thought I even heard that like initially, like they were, they kind of were thinking of Clefairy being like the so cute, this will be the face of the franchise, but Pikachu is what really took off. Yeah. Um, and they ended up changing their minds about that. But yeah. yeah, yeah. So those are, those are the start. That's the starter situation. We've got Ash leaving town with Pikachu. Uh, we won't go like step by step, but we'll go touch on some key points because eventually Pikachu does get hurt um, through a Spiro incident and he needs to be taken to the Poké Center as quickly as possible. When a young ginger girl bikes by, Ash asks to borrow her bike quite abruptly, takes it, ends up taking it off a sweet jump on accident, wrecks the bike, but gets Pikachu to safety. And we now actually have player two. I guess player three. We'll count Pikachu as as the player two here. And Mm. it turns out to be none other than Misty, the Cerulean City gym leader, uh, Mm. is going to be basically the play for her. She has has two reasons for following Ash around. The one that she is vocal about and leans on is that he owes her a bicycle because he destroyed hers. <laughs> Eventually, yeah, yeah. she gets she kind of kind of falls for his twerpy charm uh, that he <laughs> seems to have. But yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and she's also uh, a very young teenager that somehow gets hit on by a lot of guys throughout their journey, which I always mm-hmm. found troubling. Yeah, very concerning. Um, but also, like the number of anime about teenage girls and them being sexualized objectified and sexualized yeah Yeah, also concerning but i i don't know it's it's (laughs) well i mean thing apparently Um, but i mean on the other on the other side of that spectrum though because as you mentioned misty being part of this group this began the tradition of always having two companions alongside, mm-hmm. you know, Ash. And so yep. you obviously get, you go from, you know, Misty, who is constantly pretty much talking shit to Ash about the bike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. then you have, you basically have like the Hall of Fame of all horn dogs, Brock, join, <laughs> joining, <laughs> which, uh, which I, I hope he wasn't like that in the original, but Honestly, how could he not be with the way that was animated? Like, he's constantly macking on every single woman they come across. 
and I think that actually is something that was how it was in the in the Japanese it version ha- it as had well. To, it had like, to be. Like, yeah, he's he's definitely falling for every every like woman that's there that's roughly his age or older. Like he is just in love instantly. Uh, it is it is quite comical. Um, and then of course, like you, you get the trope of Misty is always beating, physically beating him to not come yes. out to drag him away from whoever he's now falling in love with but yes yeah that's that is our trio of humans that we could follow around is <laughs> ash misty and brock you get to hang out with a trainer and two gym leaders on their journey yeah. to get the rest of the badges which i will say that that to me was kind of cool because it, it's it's interesting that there's all this history kind of woven into them being gym leaders and they establish it and then we get away from it you know, like they, they go, yep, mm-hmm. they're gym leaders. They know their shit. And now it's just about Ash's journey. Like they, they yep. do, surprisingly, they do a good job mm-hmm. about filling in yeah. quite a bit of detail for a kid's show behind these yeah. characters. I mean, mm-hmm. you can just take any of the main characters that you run across quite a bit. They all have either a flashback or some kind of thing that helps, you know, build up who they are. Mm-hmm. And you don't always get that in cartoons. I'm, I'm kind of surprised they did it. No, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's also kind of like the fun backstory of these two. You've got Brock, who is one of, like, nine children, and he is trying to support all of his brothers and sisters, and that's, like, why he's a gym leader for, um, I think, one of the largest reasons why he's a gym leader. And then you've got Misty, who I think is either, I, I, don't, I don't remember if they make her, so she's the youngest of her sisters, or if she's, like, the middle child of the sisters, but I think she's the youngest of four, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And she's kind of always like vying for attention and maybe not attention, but um justification wouldn't be the right word either. But she's always trying to feel like she has to prove herself against her sisters. And yes. that's that's part of her narrative that drives her forward as well. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that because really from an appearances standpoint, everybody likes to point towards, you know, she dresses like a tomboy and I go, I don't know anybody who is wearing suspenders and short shorts like that. But Hey, <laughs> that's what kind of popped up on all of the, the early commentary. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, she's a tomboy. And I go, no, she's not a tomboy. She is Misty. Like yep. just, just let that be for a while. And then you I'm, see her sisters mm-hmm. and her sisters have like these like long flowing gowns and like, you mm-hmm. know, perfect hair and all that shit. And it's like, no, 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 she's, she's not a tomboy. She just doesn't want to do that bullshit yeah. that they're doing up there. Yeah. She was a tomboy and so was Daisy Duke. Yeah. With a crop top, <laughs> yeah. short shorts and suspenders. Yeah. Definitely a tomboy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, if we ever want to be tomboys, we know what to do. Just, just yes. cut off those pants. Cut, <laughs> let the pockets hang the out, shirt, baby. Cut it right under the fight me, Michael Rosenbaum thing. And then boom, <laughs> tomboy. <laughs> Yeah, see, you heard it here first. If you want to be a tomboy, just show a lot more skin. That's all yep. you need to do. Yeah, I, I just this is this is the '90s in a nutshell. Oh people just mm-hmm. people thought they were being edgy by saying stupid shit, so that's what we get yeah. for that. But mm-hmm. but hey, speaking, speaking of, of people, edgy. Who, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I like that we were both on the same page because one could say that we took that idea and we made a double because yes. it is time to talk about. Honestly, quite probably my favorite part of this show, and that's Team Rocket, because oh, yeah. <laughs> they are they're they're the villains of the of the overall story, but 
they are also not really great at being villains, but they're entertaining. <laughs> I was going to say, there's, there's an asterisk on the end of that because yeah. it, the Team Rocket people that were introduced to initially aren't the greatest at being Team Rocket people, which would no. be Jesse, James, and Meowth, their, mm-hmm. their trusty you know, cat. But we, we do end up eventually meeting pretty damn good Team Rocket mm-hmm. people. And I, I think what's interesting about this is that uh, for those of you who haven't played Pokemon or maybe you just don't know a whole lot about things outside of maybe the mobile game, whatever, like the Team Rocket people are very much evil. You know, they're, they're, they're not good folks. You know, they're, no. they're not like they're not like the maintenance people in the Death Star. They're just doing their nine to five and then clocking out. You know, like the, these are people who are, you know, kidnapping, potentially eating, you know, doing horrible shit to Pokemon. And so when you look at Jesse and James for like the first few episodes, Joe, they're, they're actually mm-hmm. still somewhat malevolent. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're actually bad people for the most part. But then after like 10 or 15 episodes, they are complete like comedic. Oh, it, yeah. it is com- it's just a complete joke. <laughs> Although I, I do have to say for them supposedly supposed to be malevolent bad people, if you take a look at like what they say every time you find out that it's Team Rocket, yes. their little Team Rocket motto, 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 their Team Rocket motto, motto not, not that bad. It doesn't make no. them sound like... No, is it, I think prepare for trouble, make it double. To protect the world from devastation, that's a good thing. To yeah. unite all peoples within our nation. Also, yes. unless it's a weird culty thing, that should be a good thing because they're welcoming <laughs> everyone in. And then weird to culty. denounce the evils of truth and love, that's yeah. pretty great. Extend our reach to the stars above. Hey, we're exploring. Like, their overall little motto thing, it doesn't make them sound like they're alpha people. But they are also trying to steal Pokemon pretty much every single time you see them. That that is bad. And then but that's when you find out like later on mm-hmm. that they are saying the motto incorrectly the entire time. Because <laughs> 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 when the other Team Rocket people show up, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. You you are actually saying bad things to me right now in your motto and I am actually yeah. scared now, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> isn't it I'm trying to think because it's not God, is it Johto or the Orange Islands where you get Butch and Cassidy show up? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, Butch also and Cassidy, great. yeah. Playing on the whole outlaw thing, uh, Jesse, J- Jesse and James and Butch Cassidy. Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it turns out they were saying it wrong the whole time. <laughs> yes, the, the, mm-hmm. literally the entire time. Mm-hmm. Which but, for me, when I, I was since I wasn't a kid watching it, mm-hmm. once again, more of an adult watching this, when I finally noticed that, I was like, wait a second. These people, these guys were like fucking stupid the entire time. Yeah, like, the whole time. And, and <laughs> like they're somehow smart enough to operate a you know a, a hot balloon or hot air balloon, mm-hmm. you know, all across this continent. They somehow managed to get all these disguises. They managed to get behind the scenes of like every production. They infiltrate the government, local businesses, but for some reason they can't remember their motto. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Come on, it's, man. They're, I mean, they're basically the wily coyotes of the series, always going after the Roadrunner and always failing miserably every time. Yes. Uh, and one may ask, like, well, that guys, we just pointed out Pikachu, not that strong of a Pokemon, not that great. Why are they always trying to go after the Pikachu? Because 
even if like we didn't mention that they're always going for Pikachu, but if you've heard anything about the series, you've seen it before a little bit, uh, you know that they're trying to steal Pikachu. That's why they're always hounding Ash. Well, as it turns out, one of the things that did happen to Ash's Pikachu is it was hurt so bad that they actually had to like hook up an entire power plant to it, which ended up supercharging Ash's Pikachu. So his is actually pretty strong. Yeah. But yeah, I digress. Which... So that's, that's their whole goal is to capture Pikachu. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, that's their surface level thing, and obviously they keep blasting off again, they're flying off at the end. But again, like, we talked about how this series did take care to establish backstories for each of these characters to make you enjoy them. Um, I don't remember Jessie's backstory being put into season one. I think you get hers further down the line. But you yeah. do get James and Meowth in the season one, because they're Meowth. Also pretty special. While he's not the strongest Meowth, he does speak English, which I think in the show, like the show's history, it's basically only legendary Pokemon find ways to speak English. And then there's Meowth who can speak English. Um, And you found out the whole reason he did that was because he fell in love with another Meowth who was abused by her trainer. And he did this to impress her. And she ditched him anyway for something else. Yes. (laughs) So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 some sad me out story. There's some yeah, there's some deep cuts in this yeah. series though. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and it's not just some of the backstories. I mean, it's it's also with the Pokemon that Ash comes across too, yeah. because his whole journey is on foot or occasionally bicycle or if he's being <laughs> chased by Officer Jenny. But <laughs> in these 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 little like on foot explorations though. He does get to get into some interesting characters. You know, he, he sees Pokemon out in the wild. You know, all the stuff that pretty much mimics what your experience would be in the video game, right? Yeah. So I, I thought that that was actually kind of cool, even though for an anime, you, you know me, Joe, I don't, I don't subscribe to anime necessarily. <laughs> the content actually has to interest me. Mm-hmm. But for, for this series, though, like I was riding that wave of Pokemon Go enthusiasm, there's a lot of interesting moments that just kind of happen as mm-hmm. as they travel. Now, a lot of people usually point towards some of the gut-wrenching ones, which is when he discovers his Charmander for the first yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And to this day, it is still some of the most depressing animation I think I've ever seen. <laughs> because, so if you're, if you're not familiar with Pokemon, okay, the Charmander is this orange lizard he's got whatever you want to call it he's got a little flame on his tail and if that flame goes out the animal dies the pokemon dies mm-hmm. so the first time you see ash's charmander he's in a rainstorm abandoned by his trainer he's covered up by what's like a loincloth or a napkin or something and he refuses to move because he's so depressed mm-hmm. like, yeah he i like, think like, uh, like he's waiting for his trainer to actually come back for him even though he was abandoned yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and this was early on. This isn't like, you know, halfway through the season or something. This no, is this the, is episode 11, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah you're, and you're watching this and like as a kid that I, I didn't see it as a kid as an adult. I saw it and I went, what the fuck? That's this fine. is depressing. <laughs> you, you put this in front of children. Why? Yeah. Why did you do this to me? I mean, it's not quite Grave of the Fireflies depressing because few things are Grave of the Fireflies, de- uh, Fireflies depressing. But yeah, it is. It is very, very. 
very hard to watch for that because like this is something where like the 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 Charmander evolution tail thing is is a little open to interpretation because sure. what 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 it says in the Pokédex entry is that like the the like how like furious or how much that little tear file uh, fire is burning that's a measurement of its life and how healthy it is yeah. so from there like you can take it as okay so if it's if it's low or goes out the animal's going to die and that's what they play off of very much in this episode is that yeah. well the rain's going to put the fire out that's going to kill the charmander because that fire has to stay burning but then like later on in the series when eventually that, that little guy grows up to be charizard like he gets thrown in entire bodies of water for extended periods of time and gets out just fine so it's like yeah. well that should have just put out the fire at the end of his tail but it just it just doesn't so but yeah. it is one of those things where like the show did that intentionally. Like they wanted you to make you feel sorry for the animals because one thing that they do push heavily throughout the series is kind of how like trainers bond with their Pokemon. And it's more like it's this weird juxtaposition of like, yes, this is basically cockfighting with, with imaginary (laughs) creatures, but at the same time they fight because supposedly they enjoy it. And the trainers all still very much care for the Pokemon. And that's part of like, they know when to stop fighting so it doesn't go too far and you don't cause any serious injury. Take with that what you will. But it's definitely meant to show you and push more on that idea that like the trainers do very much care for the animals or the monsters that are hanging out with them. And even though the translation may have been off a little bit with Ash as a character from you know, Japanese to American audiences, mm-hmm. his care for his Pokemon is like probably the biggest thing yes. that is the focus of this. Mm-hmm. And, and which is why some of these situations even can lend to being so depressing. Because for those of you who haven't seen it yet, there is a Pokemon called a Caterpie, which is like a little caterpillar, right? Mm-hmm. And it evolves into a butterfly, AKA a Butterfree. And there's this entire saga with ash and this little caterpie now the low point of this would be the metapod which is the the middle evolution Mm -hmm. where he fights another trainer with a metapod and all they do is harden the entire fight (laughs) (laughs) which which for those of you who haven't seen it before hardening isn't really a move it's just standing still it's and just not moving there. and just upping defense. <laughs> so the entire time this fight is going on, they're trying to make it look as like epic as it can, but it's just a metapod staring up at the sky and it just like pans on it. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> this is entertainment. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's hilarious because this is like, um, this is one of the times where the show gets something wrong based off how the things work with the game, but it does it wrong and you don't care because it's funny because <laughs> Like, metapods that were caught wild won't know anything but Harden. But if you start with the Caterpie and evolved it, it keeps the Caterpie moves that it already had. So Ash's Pokemon should be able to attack, but it's so funny you don't care anyway. (laughs) No, no. Instead, you're just watching it get hard, as hard as it can. And the reason why we didn't want to go through step Mm -hmm. for step on these things is because this saga gets gets very depressing. Like, there's a couple different turns that it takes after this point and as an adult they they played this like original music at the end of it when shit's going down mm-hmm. and i said i can't watch any more of these right now this is so fucking depressing <laughs> yeah. and sad mm-hmm. i can't continue i mean yep. and ash is like like bawling his eyes out 
I'm sitting there going, damn it, mm-hmm. I want a drink right yeah. now. Like, this is so bad. <laughs> this is so This is so sad to me. Yeah. Uh, but, but they managed to do that also, as a kid's show. Yeah. I mean, they also do a good job of balancing things a little bit because if we – if we do look, uh, step back a little bit, we talked about like the Charmander episode where he was, um, where he where he came with Ash. Uh, that was very sad. But the episode surrounding that, because basically they did a, they did a fun little thing where Ash gets Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle in the order of their Pokédex number. So yeah. he got Bulbasaur first, then Charmander, and Charmander was really sad. Bulbasaur had this confidence thing, confident, yeah. really sad, and then. Squirtle and the fucking Squirtle Squad. Yes. And holy shit, has this forever changed the lives of me and some of my best friends? So if you recall, um, a former third host of this podcast, Chelsea, uh, this is something that when we found out that we liked Pokemon, yeah, one of the first things we fucking talked about was the goddamn Squirtle Squad and how much oh. we loved it. Like, you just can't like the episode is so great because it it basically turns the whole sadness thing on its head from Charmander and instead Ash and everyone comes to this town it turns out it's being basically like what am I saying I was not tortured but there's terrorized. a gang of terrorized it's yeah. terrorized by a gang of squirtles and yes. they all have sunglasses on <laughs> That's how you know they're bad, that they're little rebels as they all have sunglasses on. And they're going around just causing a muck and mischief. And then if you... One thing that also happens in this show, if you've never seen it before or have completely missed out on any any media containing Pokemon and you get to hear them, is that in the show, the way most of them communicate is they just say their name. Yeah. So, like, some of them roar, some of them make sounds uh, that aren't that. But... Most of them say their name, and Squirtle is fantastic because he's just like Squirtle, 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 Squirt, 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 Squirt. He's like always on the verge of like pushing out a fart. Yeah, he's like, ah, Squirtle, Squirtle, Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> like my friends, like Chelsea and our other roommates in college, like we just lost it, like like <laughs> regaling the first time we'd seen the Squirtle Squad do something. It's to the point now where. Like, we have this dorky thing amongst, like, me and my college friends where we will just stick Squirtle into any song we're listening to. So we'll be, we'll be singing along, and then, like, um, for instance, like, we have the whole resurgence of Running Up That Hill uh, yeah. by Kate Bush. Yeah. And I'll get to, like, if I could make a deal with God and get him to swap our Squirtles. Oh yeah, and because you can trade them, you can trade the squirtles. Yeah, yeah so it, make, it makes sense there. So we just we just throw squirtle into any song where like you can. There's a two syllable spot you can just slip squirtle right in. That's thanks to the squirtle squad and their mischief. Um, I I still can't believe that that this was such a a unique part of this this cartoon that it ended up making its way into Pokemon Go eventually. Yeah. And you would end up having your your Squirtle with the sunglasses. I mean, oh my God, Squirtle Community Day was a hoot. <laughs> yeah, it's, just it's it's hilarious to think this is where it started. Like this is yep. where this came from. Mm-hmm. And there are quite a few things that happen in the Pokemon series that wouldn't happen for, and I say series as in the the mm-hmm. cartoon that wouldn't happen in the game for almost like a decade with yeah. uh, giant Pokemon, the mm-hmm. with the Gigantamax or whatever it's called. Like, I always yeah. forget. Uh, because in this series, you have a ton of like massive Pokemon that appear. Mm-hmm. 
and at one point you have a tentacruel that's literally like smashing you know a, a metropolitan area and mm -hmm. they, they have to tuck it down from that ledge um another point you have like an alakazam a, and a gengar that are like literally duking it out you know mm -hmm. let them fight style <laughs> <laughs> you know and yeah and not only do these like these massive pokemon they're never mentioned again uh, some of them are actually like evil too. Like they're just bad yeah. Pokemon, and they never, they never come back to that idea. You know, no, it, it's no. mm -hmm. yeah. And like I know, like I've 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 made some some criticisms of of the the series with Ash being an idiot and like them getting a few things wrong compared to the video games and being like a, like a weird little like nerdy like hipster snob. But one thing that I did find out later in life that actually made me mad when I watched the show because I, I thought I got it wrong. And I did get it wrong according to the games, is that when Ash goes to fight Sabrina, uh, the psychic gym leader, he basically, I think the first time he goes, like he, he gets his ass handed to him, like he can't beat him. Yes. So he's told to go get a ghost Pokemon from Lavender Town so that he can beat the psychic uh, the psychic um, gym. And for all of my all of my fellow trainers who have been playing since the first generation, immediately there was nerd range. You're like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, Ghost is weak to Psychic, you idiot. Yeah. Like, why, like, one, someone gave you bad advice, and now you're going to listen to the bad advice, and it just happens to work in the show. That's stupid. It's dumb. But it turns out it was actually correct, and it was the game that got it wrong. Because yes. the whole reason that... Psychic was such a tank in this in Generation One, and was like the ultimate thing. Was completely on a coding accident. Yes, because it wasn't weak to anything in the first in the first generation, and it was supposed to be weak to Ghost because they didn't want to have it to have one superior type over everything. So yep. someone fucked up and accidentally made it so Ghost was weak to Psychic instead of Psychic being weak to Ghost, and they actually corrected it in the anime. Which was yeah. something that I learned, I think, honestly, probably when I got to college. I'm like, oh, hey, look at that. Good job, anime. Way to fix the thing that I thought you had gotten wrong, amongst other things. Boom. Yeah. Anime won. Games 500. So, <laughs> <laughs> good job, anime. <laughs> yeah, you know, now that you mention it too, Joe, uh, stuff that, uh, that appeared in the anime that didn't appear in the games... Mm -hmm. One of those things is the mystery of the lighthouse episode, yeah. where you literally get like a skyscraper-sized Dragonite. And I remember I did see this one as a kid, and then again as an adult. Mm -hmm. I can't believe how creepy that episode was, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is. I mean, seriously, it's like borderline Cthulhu creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. Oh, it's it's glaring eyes. Like, oh, what does it know that I? Oh, is it the, like the infinite vastness of existence that makes me feel insignificant and therefore want to lose my mind? Don't look at me, Dragonite. I don't know what you're going to do next. Yeah, I don't know what mm -hmm. you're here for. I I, I, I have no idea. All I know is that there's these very bright white eyes in the distance in the fog, mm -hmm. and and you're literally like two hundred feet tall and you're walking towards me, and. It's just like shrieking into the, in, yeah. you know, into the void, mm -hmm. and I, I still can't believe how creepy that is. Because one of the things that I asked myself in hindsight, and also wrote in the notes for this show that Joe and I are both looking at now, is that was this show darker than anyone remembers? 
And I, I think it, I think it is one of the darkest, like this season, this first season is probably one of the darkest kid shows I've ever seen because they hadn't toned it down. They didn't know that it was going to be as popular as it was. So it still kind of had this spiritual, maybe more Japanese inspired mm-hmm. you know, type of content. And, and so when I look back at it, I go, yeah, there are definitely some anime things that I will go, yeah, okay, that's kind of corny, and it's 1996, I'm going to let it pass. Mm-hmm. But some of these other standalone moments like that, I mean, just, just that imagery of this massive creature in the fog, and I don't know what it wants. Yeah. As a kid, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. As I an mean, adult, also terrified. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, also like, think of, like, uh, just, like, the noises it makes. Like we said, a lot of Pokemon just say their names, but it wasn't like he was out there going like Dragonite, because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would have just killed it. Like you'd have instantly like, nope, yeah. taken out. This is funny. <laughs> yeah. But he does kind of have like this like low, like not low pitch, but yeah, like um, like this kind of haunting moan that he it goes from a haunting moan to like a shrieking, and it's it, it is pretty darn creepy. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, if it walked up and it was just like, "Hello, it's me, Dragonite." In the darkness, how are you, sir? I'm just hungry. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, yeah. That, that's yes, that's not going to be scary. I'm here to talk to you about your cause extended warranty. And just, <laughs> yeah. he's like, ah, oh, he's here again. He's he's yeah. a nuisance. He's not scary. They always know how to get you. Yeah, yeah they do. Mm-hmm. But 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 seriously though, like this is a chain of several episodes mm-hmm. where where things just get creepy. And there's another one. Uh, this is one that makes like almost every top ten list is the uh, Ghost of Maiden's Peak. When you have this this rogue ghastly, you know, just this little orb of a ghost that can actually talk, like you mentioned, it's one of the few that can actually speak. And then it possesses people throughout the episode. And I mean, it takes our, our friend Brock and it takes control of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as a kid's show, some of that stuff is a little more graduated, I would, th- I would say, compared yeah. to the other shows at, at the time, you know, on TV. Like, for example, mm-hmm. um, I would say the only other <laughs> cartoon that I can think of as creepy would have been Extreme Ghostbusters, which we covered. Uh, yep. You know, a few episodes back. So th- there weren't a lot of cartoons doing this kind of thing at mm-hmm. this point in time. Yeah, No, no, especially like, not here in the States. I mean, looking at the time this came on and made it to the States, like I said, like, Extreme Ghostbusters was the only thing that was creepy. And before that, it was the real Ghostbusters. And one of the reasons that that ended up like the way it did between completely shifting tone to Slimer and the real Ghostbusters to eventually going off the air is because they basically found like, you know, kids don't want to be scared on Saturday morning anymore. Like that's just, (laughs) it's not like the thing they want. They want to wake up and be afraid. So we're going to change tone that eventually just gets canceled. So this was again, like a, at least as far as like, you know, Western and especially TV in the United States, uh, something that had been absent for quite some time is this, pretty creepy mood that came through several episodes of the show yeah yeah well and i i i don't know i wasn't in the room with the producers but from everything that i kind of looked up in hindsight or people talking about the tonal shift that did happen Mm -hmm. they were all saying that yeah this must have happened because of the popularity of the show and they knew that it was way too creepy and so they toned it way down as you talked Mm -hmm. about in the next the next season uh, you've got a completely more original, you know, idea attached to that. 
Um, so it's it's a totally different experience. But as we kind of wrap things up here, Joe, mm-hmm. in the same spirit that the Pokemon uh, episodes would wrap up, there was a very unique way they did that. And do you remember, Joe, yeah. what, well, what exactly that was? How, how could you forget? Because what this show did that was great was that you got a banger of a theme song to start things off. And just in case the episode was a bit depressing or <laughs> maybe was fun altogether, you got two options at the end. You Most of the time, you got what was called the pokey rap. And yes. what it was was two gentlemen rapping through the original 150 Pokemon Pokédex. And yeah. they kind of broke it up over the episode. So you didn't get the full thing right away. You'd get like a chunk of Pokemon in the last maybe, not even a minute, like probably 15 to 20 seconds of, of just like the song. And it was catchy. It was upbeat. It was fun. And... If you want to listen to the whole thing, simply YouTube or <laughs> find your copy of To Be a Master, the Pokemon album. <laughs> because what you also got is if it was not a Poke Rap episode, you had what was called Pikachu's Jukebox. And it was yes. one of the other songs off of this album. And you got like a small, like, again, 20 second sneak peek of everything. And may I add, full of bangers, this whole thing. Like, <laughs> Uh, I mean, some of them will capture the whole, like, sadness um, of the series. There's one song that definitely brings you down when you hear it. But then you get Team Rocket's Rocket, and holy crap, that song will get you going. It'll move you. (laughs) It's not baby-making movement, but it will make you want to, like, get up and be active. (laughs) Well, I I don't know if my mind put up mental walls to kind of block out the Pokemon rap. Because I'd heard it as a kid, for sure, and then when I heard it again as an adult, I was like, I thought this was fake. And then at the end of the first episode that I watched when, you know, when I had my Pokemon revival, all of a sudden I hear this guy just going, you just do the singing. I'll take care of the hard part. Let's get it on. And I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. What's going on? <laughs> this, this, this actually existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what I thought was cool about Pokemon Go coming back, we mentioned it a few times and it kind of uniting the world for a few weeks there. Well, mm-hmm. what it also did was inter- interest people in the Pokemon rap because believe it or not, Joe, this was a piece of pop culture history that people had absolutely no knowledge of as to how it got made or really any of the behind the scenes of it. Like it was just this thing that existed mm-hmm. and everyone's just kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah. it's here. You know, yep. is there a story? I have no idea. Well, actually a few years ago, right around the time Pokemon Go came out, they decided to do some uh, journalists out there decided to research this. And so they tracked down like all the names of the people. So the guy who's actually rapping, his name is uh, Baby Floyd, and he's no longer with us. He passed away, unfortunately. So they couldn't ask him about, yeah, yeah about what he did. But uh, someone who did survive was James D. Train Williams, who helped write some of the lyrics and produce the song, uh, and then John Siegler, who was like the music director for the show. And so they pretty much were referred over to baby floyd and d train to do this thing like they're like going who could we possibly get for a rap song for pokemon and bring them together mm-hmm. <laughs> and so so these guys get i don't know how they found them they just said that yep 
somebody referred them to, over to us. We got brought into the studio. And so Siegler actually uh, was the guy that uh, helped write the main theme song as well for the show. He ends up having to figure out how can we possibly make 150 Pokemon names rhyme together? <laughs> and and yeah. so if that weren't hard enough, then they had to kick it over to Floyd and Williams and say, yeah, okay, so this stuff should rhyme, but you are still going to have to make this sound good. <laughs> and, ah, and there's so, the kicker, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I mean... I would just have to think that every single person involved in the production of this song was rolling their eyes the entire time. It's like, you can't rap to this. You, mm -mm. How can I rap to this? And and then to try and go, okay, now I got to do an exercise where I take 150 different Pokemon and go, which ones rhyme the best with the other ones? <laughs> like, fuck me. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, yep. the, we'll, we'll, we'll link this in the show notes because I don't want to ruin it. The the actual transcript and the uh, audio for that interview does exist, and we'll put it out there so you can listen to it. It's actually a crazy story. I mean, it, it is actually really cool to listen to. So just be on the lookout for that. It'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So either way, I mean, I, I will say this as a parting thought for mm -hmm. this this program, Joe. I was not a huge Pokemon fan, as you've, uh, we've talked about before. Like I was doing different things in the late '90s. I was playing computer games. You know, my N64 uh, had no Pokemon-related things next to it. I didn't have handhelds, whatever. You know, so me only having seen a couple episodes of this as a kid, I had no appreciation for it then. I actually appreciated this more as an adult, <laughs> going back to it. You know, and so it's. I was actually really appreciative of what they tried to do. Yeah. With this show, given the fact that it wasn't this like massive property quite yet when they produced it, mm -hmm. and then this is what they did when they were allowed to experiment. So I, I actually give it a lot of credit for a show that probably didn't know how long it was going to be around. Let's just get mm -hmm. something out there and put some ideas together, yeah. but still be mm -hmm. faithful to the lore of the the game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, you're you're tasked with making a 24 minute ad for a video game. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what you're doing. And uh, yeah, kudos to like the show for again doing as good of a job as it did. I, opposite of Mark, I obviously like if you found out I, I grew up watching the show. I watched it uh, alongside me, fairly alongside me playing the game. I may have beaten it by the time the show came out, uh, but like I watched the whole thing through, and even the points that like made me mad because like they got it wrong from the video game didn't turn me off from watching the whole show. Uh, I think I made it all the way to maybe the start of Johto Journeys before I decided to stop watching. Uh, because mm -hmm. at that point in time, I think I was in high school. I'm like, I should probably not be watching Pokemon. Uh, I'm making that, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be watching Pokemon anymore. Still played <laughs> it in secret, but did not watch it. Um, but yeah, no, season one Indigo League is, is pretty legit, other than, um, I guess, There's like, some moments. it did. <laughs> There's some moments, yeah. And, of course, it does start the whole, like, basically trope that Ash is not a very good trainer because, like, oh. he doesn't, like, if you know anything about the series, like, it wasn't until literally, like, a year or two ago that Ash finally won a regional league. Yes. So, like, at the end of every game, you're supposed to beat the Pokemon League. It wasn't until season, like, what? 27 and that's me of course being facetious it isn't until a very very late season that ash finally beats a regional league 
So yeah. it's like, oh, okay, yep. And the way a, the way yeah. they end the one is very close to the manga, um, as far as things go. But yeah, still, still fun. Like I would definitely, if you want to kind of reminisce um, over like an older style like anime, like throw on Pokemon into Go League. Um, it will have definitely some moments where you're like, eee, would I have watched this when I was a kid? Or like, I watched this when I was a kid? But <laughs> there'll be plenty of others who are like, hey, yeah, I know, I, I know why I watch this as a kid now. Yeah, well, you know, I, I thought I did another good thing too, and, and I'll try to end on this, is that even though a lot of folks out there are competitive about sports or really any kind of competitions, one thing that this show did really well was that when people were comp- like com- competing with each other they usually left as like i wouldn't say fans of each other but they still supported each other mm-hmm. and they usually would still do the whole you know good game it's about sportsmanship yep and so that was throughout too like that was throughout yeah. the series but like it was really kind of shocking to see that as an adult and going they actually made this like a positive influence for kids mm-hmm. to like understand like it's important to support people even if you compete against them which we found out with ash and his doppelganger uh richie, richie. later on mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah he wears like same clothes it's like i don't know but either way that was really cool that was really mm-hmm. different and kind of shocking to me was that yeah in a in an age when like everybody's trying to do karate and they're you know everyone's worried about you know, uh, sweeping the leg. Now we've got someone <laughs> who is looking at this going, no, 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 no. You can support people that you compete with and you can actually mm-hmm. be happy for people who may end yeah. up beating you. You know, this is mm-hmm. something that you need to know as, as a kid and as an adult. And so yeah. for a show like this to do that, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I give it a lot of props for that. Absolutely. And it's one that, again, I think it shows that like, like you said, Mary, a very, very healthy like form of competition, because like, as you said, like they use like Ash usually ends up almost most of the time friends with the people that he he fights against and it's yeah. like again even the ones he loses to and what I think the show also does very well on top of him always being a good sport win or lose is that Ash still very much emotionally reacts to winning and definitely losing where Ash will take losses very very hard but again it being a a great show for kids shows that yes it's okay to have that emotional like tearing my heart out of my i have my heart torn on my chest because i worked so hard and i just lost but still being able to congratulate the person who just out out competed you and how to process and work through you know the heartbreak of of losing something you've been training so long for and that's something that is one very hard to teach children <laughs> as oh, yeah. experience as a basketball coach, getting, getting young, young um, students to actually process a loss in a, in a healthy way is very, very difficult. And that's something that I can definitely uh, tip of the hat to the show for trying to do. Yeah. Yep. And I think uh, on that note, I think this is where we thank you all for listening to digital dissection. Because as always, we always very much appreciate everything that Dissection Crew does for us week after week. And your support does absolutely go a very long way. And if you happened upon the show by accident, please, please, please drop a review or comment on the show. 
We also really love hearing from our audience members, so feel free to message us over at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com, where we welcome your ideas for future shows and tips for how to IV train your Pokemon, because it is a definite, definite lost art in the modern Pokemon age if you've been playing the games all the way through. But, you know, you can go ahead and discuss that as well as anything else that you'd like to discuss with us. And until next time, keep on dissecting. In the meantime, we'll get more training.